Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash, coming at you from sunny Sydney, Australia, where our local team, the Kings, today took the title of the least terrible team to play in an NBA preseason game this year. <laughs> With me, of course, from Newcastle, Jackson, or Rickman Lives, as he goes by on Reddit. Jackson, how's it going, mate? Not too bad, mate. I, uh, I, w- I have full disclosure for all the listeners. I was at a box party yesterday in Sydney. Uh, <laughs> it was quite large, so I... I apologize if my uh, if I'm less than eloquent on this one, but yeah, beyond that, I'm all good. Celtics are back. How can you not be good? That's right. How can you not be spry with the Celtics back in town? So that that's all right. We'll we'll carry each other through this one, and uh, we'll get through it. It's all good. I'm sure we've got Thank the you, the man. support of Thank the fans you. and the listeners on the other end as well. We also have one Marcus Smart purist and connoisseur from across the Tasman in New Zealand. It is Joe, aka No Scrooge McFly. Joe, how are you, mate? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Full disclosure: the clock is uh, due to a due to a um, due to a daylight savings wrinkle that results in New Zealand uh, going over one week sooner than the New South Wales, at least. Um, I'm now in the position where the clock has just struck eleven. So, so if I'm not off halfway through the podcast, boys, please excuse me. But I'll come in hot. I'll come in hot straight away, Ben. Don't Can't you worry. In the future. <laughs> All right, guys, a couple of preseason games against the Charlotte Hornets over the past few days, and we're here to talk about them to each other and to you, dear listener. Uh, We'll talk about the good, uh, and there sure was some good stuff. We'll talk about the bad, and oh yes, there certainly was some bad stuff, and we'll talk about all the little things in between, but mostly, let's just revel in how great it is to have basketball back, Celtics basketball. Joe, did the Celtics team meet your expectations over the past two games? Um... Expectations is a loaded word. I will say, first of all, it is such a relief to have uh, basketball back. Like it's not, it's, it's it's almost more relief than joy. You know, like it's like I've had this had this gaping hole in my soul for the last three months, and and now finally something's there to fill it. So I'm a happy man. Um, did it live up to expectations? This is where you put out the well. It's preseason disclaimer. So. It's preseason, yeah. right? So, Absolutely. So I guess it's um, it's kind of it's probably it's probably lived up to my most realistic expectations. I will say this: I like last year, man. We came out like we came storming out of the gates. Can you remember how good the team looked? Like we were smashing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think like other than the maybe the first quarter against Charlotte, we've we've really looked like quite like that team. I don't think we've looked quite as good. 
um, as we did last year. Um, not that it's particularly a meaningful sample size, blah, 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 blah. But, um, but like last year, it was just like beautiful. And the game, the first game, particularly against Charlotte, man, we just shot a few too many threes. And I, I wasn't really enjoying uh, that volume of threes. Scalabrine mentioned about halfway through the, uh, the second quarter, hey, the ball needs to touch the paint. And I think, um, yeah, that, that was something that was missing a little bit there. But, um, but other than that, I mean, I expect us to win all these games. And, um, and you know, certainly while the starters are in there. And we've done that so far. I think, we've, I think it's pretty clear that we're, we're going to be really, really good this year. Yeah, so that's my 10,000-foot view. Um, ben, <laughs> I understand from... Um, from our from our little tete uh, tete prior to the uh, pod that you you want me I feel like you you want me to, to issue some sort of mea culpa on uh, on my Robert Williams judgment. <laughs> well, Ben, none Look, will just, it, none will be forthcoming. Um, he's got to prove it. He's got to prove it. Honestly, he's like he's an idiot until proven smart in, in my books. Well, I think he's proven himself over over other, the other bench guys. You'd have to give him that at least. I, I think other bench guys. I mean, like the deep end of the rotation. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Not like I mean, the thing is, these are <laughs> the rotation's really deep, right? Like, um, he may not get any time at all, but um, he's done good things. He's done what you would hope to do. And look, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I do actually hope I'm wrong on him. You know. Um. So. So. Yep. He moves his feet well. He's got active hands. Um. He looks like he can finish around the rim. Um. Which is. To be honest, that's I love Bainsey, but Bainsey, Bainsey battles, eh? Putting the ball on the hoop when there's any kind of duress. <laughs> Sometimes he battles just he does. finding, <laughs> locating the hoop after an offensive rebound. I think he's been working on his three-point shot more than his his back to back to basket game. And how good is it when he tees one up, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, he hit the first one, like the first one he took in game one against Charlotte. I'm calling it game one because it was a little, uh, little two-game uh, preseason mini series. But he hit that first three that he took, which was just hilarious. Like I just laughed out loud. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like and under any sort of duress, Bainsey, like off those, you know, offensive uh, putbacks. If there's any sort of blockage or defense around him at all, he does struggle a little bit. So hopefully that's where uh, Sleepy Bob can. Uh, and fill in the gap a little bit but i feel like there's a lot of positive things to feel about this kid he seems to have some really good big man fundamentals i thought especially on the defensive end like straight away he seemed to be setting uh going back to the offensive end he seemed to be setting pretty good screens and then rolling pretty aggressively to the hoop and then i felt like obviously as a rookie and in preseason for anyone there's going to be some confusion as to where to be defensively but i felt like you could tell that he was sort of struggling through that, but he just kind of winged it and, and he found a, a, a effective place to position himself on the defensive end and, and affect the shots of our I, of the offense. I sort of felt like he kind of um he kind of inherited Yabu's agent of chaos role, you know, like he's sort of, sort of the guy there just <laughs> yeah. play like just play loose and play like you know how like when you see rugby players playing basketball, how they kind of play just um like quite recklessly, um, he's, yeah. there, there's sort of an element of that. He just just cause a bit of havoc. That's cool, you know. Look, I, like I say, I, 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 I'm sticking with my judgment, um, but I hope I'm wrong. And um, and if I'm wrong, that's great. Yeah, well, look, Celtics Reddit is on fire about this kid <laughs> at the moment, and yeah, I was on Real GM in 2005, and trust me, we were on fire about Gerald Green. <laughs> you remember those days? Fair enough. <laughs> 
it's the preseason. There's not really too much to get excited about. And so when our rookie comes in and, you know, has a clutch block and then he has that very uh, selfless assist to uh, to Gersh, to Yabu at the end of the game today. Um, I don't know. I, I, he had some really good defensive plays. He had a lot of good energy. I think he tied Marcus Smart with a plus minus of uh, 13, which was a team high. Um, which was exciting, you know, to have a, like another bulldog to come in and, uh, and affect the defense and be a bit of a spark plug off the bench. Now, moving forward in this podcast, I think the best way to sort of condense all the information, all the content from the past two games is to uh, talk about what we thought was good about the team and about the individuals in our team uh, and the bad and then kind of riff from there. So, Jackson, I know you're a little tired, but I know you caught some of the games over the past couple of days. So I just want to hear, you know, from you what you thought was good about the team and what you thought was bad and maybe what you're looking forward to us improving over the next few games. Yeah, certainly. Now, look, not to to, to keep it well concise. Yeah, I mean, the best thing that I could think of is there was no injuries, you know, and obviously I think Al Horford didn't play today due to a wrist sprain or something along those lines. But, I mean, you just know in yeah. the context of preseason that that's just, that's like probably 90% precaution. Well, it would be safe to assume it would be something along those lines anyway. It might be more serious. But, look, we know what injuries can do to this team. It's been a year since Hayward went down and we were wanting to see this lineup again, this team again in action. And now it's finally come back. So I don't see there's any need to you know, push the envelope or push the pace, you know, too far in this in, in these games here. So the fact that we came through relatively unscathed, at least so far, is what I'm most thankful for. Um, in terms of what's being bad, like I think, Joe, you made a good point earlier about saying how good we looked last preseason when we all got together. I guess we we're probably hoping that we'd live up to that sort of level. Um, particularly yep. throughout, more consistently throughout the game. Like the first quarter in game one was good. Um, I think it was at the second quarter of, of the game today. Yeah, but we looked exceptionally for stretches as well. So obviously you want to see that maintained. But I mean, if it's the if the price we pay for that is, you know, wearing out more guys and, you know, risking an injury, then you don't need that. So it's all good as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Yeah, totally. It's a preseason. And, and when... You know, Gordon Hayward came on the court in game one uh, in Chapel Hill against the Hornets. Every time he went up for the ball, anytime he basically did anything yeah, oh, that block, of any when he level landed of athleticism. That block, it was like everyone just held their breath, didn't they? Oh, I know. And so you're right, like to come away injury free and, you know, our guys get our reps in and they start to um, work out how to play off of one another. And, you know, they just get their conditioning up. And there's a lot of good to take away even from that first game where we, you know, we didn't play all that well outside of that first quarter, like Joe said earlier. Um, But just the fact that we came away injury free, I think that's a luxury all of us are going to be celebrating for a while, given what happened last year. Yeah, Yeah, although it's funny. my little takeaway or one of my little takeaways is um uh, it's it's almost feels like it's hard for this is probably a bad thing that it's it's almost hard for the guys to get a rhythm because the hierarchy there's so many good players that the hierarchy's not quite clear you know like it's it's um like <laughs> Marcus Morris is going to is going to get him up you know but um it might be kind of difficult for a guy like Jalen Brown to like, I feel like Jalen Brown's at his best when he's super aggressive um, and just not yeah. thinking. And, um, and when he's in this environment, I, you know, he's played all right. I've got no issues with Jalen Brown's playing, I guess, but, but it's just, I just sort of feel like, man, there's just so many good players deserving of shots. And maybe this preseason is going to be hard for any of them to get a particular rhythm going. 
Um, so that's uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm looking too hard for things to be worried about, but that's just a, that's just a feeling I had watching them. No, I definitely had that feeling uh, early on watching the first game. I, I think that Al Horford has a lot to do with circumventing that mm. that problem in, in how uh, much of a role he plays in our offense. And he kind of makes sure that everyone gets their touches um, and everyone gets involved and that there's an even distribution you know, per possession for each of our players. Yeah. I also thought that Jalen Brown did a much better job you know, versus Jason Tatum of asserting himself uh, into the offense in terms of presenting his strengths. So I thought that he got to the bucket very aggressively uh, quite a few times, uh, impressively so. And his finishing seemed a lot better as well as his outside shooting and his decision-making. Whereas Jason Tatum, he chucked up a lot. I say chucking now in hindsight because coming off the the playoffs last year, you could believe that he would make any of those shots, but he he didn't shoot the most efficiently in the past two games. And I guess looking back in hindsight, maybe he could have, you know, passed the ball for a better shot or, or you know, tried to dribble drive or, um, or distribute the ball in, in one way or another rather than taking those shots that he was successful in during the playoffs. I just thought Jalen Brown played more to his strengths, whereas Tatum seemed a little more lost in that hierarchy, like you said, Joe. Yeah, I yeah, think um, yeah. if... if- Sorry, Joe. I was going to say, if there's um, if there's anything that might come of that um, that Kobe Bryant workout that he had in the off season, you know, he's probably trying to look for that or trying to find that part of himself that's just going to take that shot. I don't want to say that like you know it's going to be to the detriment of the team because I, I believe he can, it it'll work out in the, in the Brad Stevens system, however it falls out. But I mean, I just wonder if he's just going to try and take it on himself just to be that a little bit more aggressive, even if it means forcing it through sometimes. And you know, if it's yeah. going to happen, you know, what happened in preseason. I'll, that that is interesting because we don't need Kobe Bryant on this team. Like we really don't. We <laughs> we need we need Scotty Pippins. You know we need we need Al Horfords. I mean, um, yeah, we need guys who can thrive in somewhat limited touches. Yeah, that's a really good point you made, Jackson. I, I agree. Jalen Brown um, did really well with his opportunities and and noticeably, like he was coming through the lane like a hurricane, man. Like he was. You know what I mean? Like he's going in there full. If he puts his foot down, he's going hard, and that's um, like that was a really good sign. He had a great finish today, going to his right, uh, the one where he fell down. That was maybe the first quarter, I think. It was a really strong take. It was awesome. Yeah, and in terms of that Mamba mentality, as they call it, uh, we've already got Mook Morris on the team. If we want a guy who's <laughs> yeah. up on the ball, yeah. he's putting up shots. And and look, to be honest, he hasn't been that bad as far as his standards are concerned, the, particularly in the first game when he came off the bench as part of that BWA squad. I, I felt like he was really effective on both ends of the game, less so in the second game, mm. um, because he, he keeps sort of shutting me up in terms of my criticisms of him because he, he, he's been making a lot of his shots and a, a lot of those ball-stopping ISO shots, he has been making them. I don't know how much that's going to last going into the season, but he's the kind of guy who's going to stop the offense and take those selfish shots. So I don't think that's what we need from Jason Tatum. I hope that's not the road he's going down. It probably isn't. It's the preseason, so it's difficult to be too judgy at this stage. But I'd like to see him working more in the flow of the offense, as we said that um, that Jalen Brown was. Now, I want to get to my uh, good and bad... uh, stuff for lack of a better term my, my good is, is Gordon Hayward I thought that you know obviously he's still finding his confidence and finding his rhythm but you can see the fundamentals are there 
Like you can mm. see he's that same heady player that he's always been and the the reason that we gave him a max contract. He's got the fundamentals. He's, his spacing is, is good. That's not something that I think requires that much rhythm or athleticism. That seemed uh, like something he brought to the table right off the bat. His defense was, was quite good. I, I thought that he was chasing his men off uh, screens very well and not getting too lost defensively, unlike some of the other guys on the team. Uh, the shot making and the synchronicity, I think, will come. Um, but he was actually surprisingly all right, given you know the injury and, and his rehabilitation. Like He was actually beating guys off the dribble in the second game against Charlotte today and, and making some uh, good plays uh, early in the game towards the end of the shot clock. He, he had a dribble driver. He beat his guy off the dribble and dished it out to Kyrie, who took a very Kyrie-esque deep three, uh, which he hit. Uh, which yeah. it, it was good to see those guys connect like that. Yeah, and it's just been interesting watching uh, Gordy's confidence grow over the past two games. And he had that block on Lamb in the third. Mm. And you could just see the, the good vibes like wash over him. And, and from that point, he seemed stronger and more confident um, in, in our squad. So that, that's been really interesting to see. And I think that there's a lot of good to take from that. I look forward to, to more of that from Gordy. I think the fact he even attempted that block, uh, you know, in the context of a preseason game, you know, is probably a good indication of where he's at mentally. Uh, and how much he trusts his body there, because I mean, he probably didn't need to go after that play, particularly not, you know, in the game that it was, but he did, and he got up and he was fine, so I think that's probably, you know, it might be a rather, you know, it's a cool highlight, but I think significantly more for Hayward, it's it's a, probably a big milestone. Yeah, well, I yeah, mean... And the crowd. After the, um, after the, the missed, the missed layup when he went left. Um, when he went left down in <laughs> yeah. Charlotte and he would have dunked it normally and he just kind of, like, he looked like me. <laughs> Put another left hand like that. Um, I, yeah, I know the, the play you're talking about and he just he had the, the lane there and it's like he didn't know what to do or at least he wasn't confident in yeah. his ability to decide what to do. And, um, yeah, that's the starting point for him and it's, it's, he's already made strides uh, from that point, I think. But sorry, you were, you were, you were saying something. Oh, no, joke. I was just going to say, like, that block is probably an indication that he's not thinking about it, which is cool. I guess that's yeah. that's that's what he needs, right? And trust is just not thinking about something in a, in a lot of cases, right? So, yeah. Um, yep. Encouraging. I'm fine with Gordon Hayward's progress. Um, ben, I don't want to cut your lunch, man, but, like, uh, um, one of my good things, I just thought, like, I love Marcus. But I, I feel like both Kyrie and Rozier play better with, like I feel like a, an Irving-Smart combination and a Smart-Rozier combination is better than an, an Irving-Rozier combination, if that makes sense. So when Smart's in there with either one of those two guys, I feel like they get to play a more natural game. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, Smart's the common denominator. Yeah, it, it just sort of seems like, like Rozier and Rozier has... A, a similar game to Kyrie, like he has similar strengths, and um, Kyrie's a little better at throwing the lobs. Although, you know, shout out credit words, Jew. He um, he caught Tatum today, um, but it just feels more like like Rozier can be his natural aggressive scoring self, and Kyrie can when Smart's on the floor. I just I I don't know what it is, but I think partly Marcus's plus minuses figures have to be attributable to to some of that <laughs> that black box stuff. Like we don't quite understand it. But there's something out there he does that's very. There's there's something I hear that's that Marcus Smart does that's very helpful for the offense. Yeah, Mark, 
Marcus Smart's effect was noticeable. Obviously, we missed him in the first game. Um, he finished with that tied high uh, plus minus of 13 with Sleepy Bob. But it's good to have that guy back. Like That guy just knows how to play basketball. He may not know how to shoot. <laughs> he may not know how to shoot the basketball. But damn, he knows how to play the game. And uh, that actually segues to uh, what I listed as the bad uh, for our team over the past two games, which is our defense. Um, I thought that our pick and roll mm. defense was pretty terrible and we kept losing assignments on the pick action every time the hornets would set a pick you could see their big like pop out of the of the bottom of the pick and roll action open under the basket and if our weak side defender did switch off their man to cover our rotations were sloppy and we'd either leave the corner three open or give an open shot to the ball handler at the top the ball handler at the top i should say um so a lot of head scratching going on there you know among the guys on the team with a lot of easy layups going in by the Hornets, especially uh, is it Miles Bridges, who Miles just Bridges was killing. Killed he was them. he was excellent. He was very very good in both games. Yeah, but getting back to my point, uh, Marcus Smart, uh, he was the exception to the norm for the defense of our team. You could see him, or you could hear him calling out the switches, and you can hear him and see him conducting the defense. And the impact they had on the defense as soon as he checked in was palpable. Like it was. It was the most Marcus Smart impact I think I've ever seen, and it's the it's the preseason, you know. And I'm glad that we paid that man his money. Yeah, I I mean, Ben, I hundred percent agree with the, the the comment on the on the on the defense. Like the the amount of times that we even got them into low shot clock situations, I felt like you could count on what like one hand. Like I can think of one really good position I saw today. You know, I'm sure there were more, you know, just my memory fails. But, but you know, whereas last year that was a real feature of the team would constantly push teams low into the clock. You know, I don't think we got there that often um, today. I, I could probably, there's probably some stats on that that, that completely contradict me. <laughs> but that's how I felt. Yeah, I actually, I tried to find some stats to, to back up um, my point here on the defense. And I, I couldn't really find anything, unfortunately. Um Stats.nba.com had our defensive rating at 94 over the past two games. Really? Which I thought was weird given that we allowed 112 points in game one and 104 points in, in game two. Maybe I'm confused as to how defensive rating is calculated, but the defensive rating according to Stats NBA over these past two games is better than our overall defensive rating last year where we were the top uh, defensive team. Right. So maybe a miscalculation on the uh, on the Stats NBA website that that's definitely uh what the reading was uh as of an hour ago but yeah it, it was clear like our, our guys were clearly lost on defense um clearly not calling out the switches as they normally have and you know we know that brad stevens uh, you know apparently said to the press after training camp that he was not impressed with the defense and i think it's showing but all, all this terribleness that we're seeing from our team on, on both the offensive end and the defensive end i think is a good thing because we're going into this season as a squad where the expectation is make the finals, contend for a championship, very, very high expectations. And and to have um, a few pitfalls early on where I think it grounds the guys, it, it grounds the, the coaching staff, it grounds the guys on the team uh, and maybe makes them reconsider, you know, this is going to be a difficult task ahead. We really need to come together as a team, as championship teams typically do. Um, to have a few low points early on rather than further down the road, I think is a good thing uh, for this team's longevity and overall success. So it might be a little bit difficult to watch and it is the preseason, but I think it's going to pay dividends down the road. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I'd rather, if I'm going to lose, I'd rather lose in preseason, put it that way. 
Yeah, yeah. Get like, no one remembers our preseason record except for last year when it was perfect. Yeah. But hey. We <laughs> killed it in preseason last year. I was so excited after the preseason. <laughs> yeah. So, Joe, now I throw to you for your good, your bad, your ugly, your sleepy. Uh, what have you got? I guess for me, uh, a good thing. Um, I just noticed the first quarter, and we had our starting lineup out there, and um, like every shot that we were playing five out, and like every single Charlotte defender was attached to a Celtic, right? And that's just what happens when you've got five forty percent three point shooters out there. It just lo- yeah. I just looked <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is unguardable. Like it's com- that 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 f- that five man lineup is completely unguardable. Eh? If you know. If Jalen's uh, if Jalen's free throw shooting is for real, um, and three point <laughs> shooting is for real, um, so that's my good. Um, my bad was probably yeah probably the call on the on the defense too as well to be honest, um, guys. Like, mm. um, it just didn't feel yeah it just didn't. It's probably endemic of it being preseason, but um, but if 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 a team was going to come in sloppy. You'd probably expect them to take some lazy three-point shots and play bad defense. And there's just a little bit of that. There's just a little bit of that. Not not worried yet, but, you know, just flagging it. Just flagging it. That'd probably be bad. Um, and ugly. I don't actually think this is ugly, but some other people will. I actually think it looks great. So maybe I should put it under a good. But I loved uh, Rosier's kicks today. <laughs> but, um, oh, the yellow yeah. red, yeah. Oh. The the puma kicks, yeah, you can't get them yet, eh? Yeah. Oh. Uh, what are they called? The the Clyde, the Clyde Glide, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like Clyde Court Disrupt or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's something yeah. to do with Clyde, though, for sure. I'm excited for Pumas. Pumas reentry into the basketball market. Um, um, I think they look good. I think they look really good. Yeah, it's definitely a good uh, entry point for them. Like they piqued my interest. I I don't know anything about sneakers or like the terminology. I. But the word dope comes to mind. I feel like people say dope when shoes are good. So that's what the kids are saying these days, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it's all the kids. Yeah. Look up the, yeah, the video of Brian Windhorse <laughs> learning when to say fire <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe that'll do me some good. Uh, look, some, some random notes here before we uh, kick on to the, uh, the, the Reddit post recap and post game thread shout out section of the podcast. Uh, some Brad. Steven's spicy lineup. So one lineup he had out there at one point. This is part of the fun of, of preseason where you can experiment with these these things. Uh, Kyrie, Rogier, and Brown at the three, and then Morris and Bain. So this like super small sort of triple guard lineup, and then Morris who can shoot the ball, and then Bain's kind of anchoring the paint down there. It's sort of speedy but but big combination. And then later in game one, not so much experimentation in the second game, but certainly in game one we had. Kyrie at the one, and then Hayward, Morris, Horford, and Baines. Just these giant <laughs> defending men just sort of surrounding Kyrie there. And so Kyrie had this sort of dribble drive, you know, penetrate, dish the ball situation going on. And then just these tall, lumbering dudes who can all shoot, all of them, including Baines, but also defend incredibly well. So that that's a lineup that I hope to see more of down the line because that was a, a beastly lineup. And I, I don't think that many other teams in the league maybe the Warriors are capable of such a thing. So uh, that had me all uh, that had me all excited. Yep. I don't know how else to put it. Well, I think uh, yeah, the the flexibility, the lineup flexibility is pretty awesome. I remember Van Gundy saying last year about the Celtics, he's like they're huge. Yeah, Jeff Van Gundy, he's like this team is huge. Yeah, and and 
and whoever was interviewing them was kind of like, really? Like, they've just got our Hoff in the middle. He's like, no, no, no. Like, on the perimeter. Like, they're massive on the perimeter. There's mm. so many six, seven dudes, you know, to throw out there um, with, with, with really, really versatile skill sets. Um, we are in a very fortunate position this year. Another random note, Kyrie's new look. I refer, of course, to the headbandish tie thing around his head that I have never seen in the NBA or really anywhere. It's like Roger Federer's thing, like, you know? Roger doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say maybe I've seen that at a music festival somewhere, maybe in tennis, but um, I like it. I, I dig it. It's cool. Like, he, he's got this sort of a... Uh, this basketball elder, maybe Uncle Drew has something to do with it, but this kind of wizard of the court, and it gives him this sort of elder statesman look, I think. But, of course, he's young and still has the athleticism of a younger guy. Uh, I, re- I think it fits his his whole vibe. So, um, I don't know. I like it. And uh, Jalen Brown's uh, short shorts with the no-leg accessories, just sticking with the player aesthetic side of things. Very cool. Very old-school uh, I, there were a couple of times where we fed him the ball in the paint and, you know, we kind of backed a guy down and did a little turnaround thing. And that style of play with the 90s sort of short shots just was this whole sort of throwback thing that I, I was really into. So I thought that was really cool. There was a comment on the broadcast about how, like, the old school, the, like, the old heads in the NBA, like Horford and, um, <laughs> like, Horford and Hayward, and he mentioned somebody else. And there's, like, all the old heads wear baggy shorts and all the new school players. Um, they're coming in with the shorts a little smaller. So the tide is yeah. turning. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. Now, finally, before we move on, it was great to see uh, Shami Ojale hit a couple of threes or just shots in general. He was terrible in game one down the stretch. Probably a, a very large component as to why we lost that game, but he hit some very clutch threes down the stretch of the second game and helped us win that game. I also thought that Perry Dozier, not to be confused with Terry Rozier, <laughs> uh, I, I think he's an interesting player. He he has like Giannis-like dimensions and he had that clutch go-ahead put back late in the second game. He's tall, he's long, but he can handle the ball. I thought he had some good moments, especially in the second game. And I just think he's an interesting guy. Even if we sort of stash him on the red claws, I think he's an interesting guy to keep around. I think he's got, he shows a lot of promise. Did you guys pay any, any much attention to uh, Dozier? I, I can't I, get I, past just the the the, the, the absurd <laughs> likeliness to Terry Rogier's name. So I would just love to have him on the it's team, tough. just so we could have them both on the court at once, just for the for other commentators to to get very confused. Or like Marv Albert, man, list. it'll probably finish him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a career ender. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the Reddit postgame thread. Always important here at the Celtics Reddit podcast to shout out our Reddit brethren. Now, user King of Pants, a commonly mentioned user due to the quality of his comments uh, in the postgame threads, uh, he had some really good stuff on the pros and cons of Hayward's game, which we sort of covered earlier. So I'm not going to read those portions of his commentary out, but definitely worth... Uh, Control F, finding King of Pants in the post-game thread and reading what he had to say. It was very interesting. He also said, I think it was a really good idea from the coaches to have the core guys play some more minutes and have the opportunity to find their rhythm together. They needed to be thrown into the deep end. Absolutely. He also said, the Marcus Smart effect is real. Smart has the ability to inject energy into any situation. He's our 6-3 noodle head KG. (laughs) It's so real. That is so, so real. <laughs> yeah, 
Definite KG vibes as well. I love it. Mm. Uh, now, user BlueJays007 says, I'm so hyped for what Robert Williams showed today. Can totally see what Horford was saying about his defense, getting him minutes, and I hope it happens. Can't believe we got him so late. Now, I know we already touched on Robert Williams earlier. Maybe there's not a lot more for us to add here, but we did get him quite late in the draft. He- Where else would you get Robert Williams but late? That's a joke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's a late joke. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> yep. Anyway. I got it. Uh, probably just going to edit my uh, that going over my head out of the uh, podcast. No, no. It stays. <laughs> it, stays. <laughs> it stays. It stays. All right. It's staying. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Good call. But uh, look, exciting. Everyone on the uh, the post game thread is is very excited about this guy. I'm, I'm super excited, and at least for the preseason, uh, just get him out there. Especially if Horford's going to sit with his sprained wrist. Like I just want to see more and more of Robert Williams. He's, he's exciting. It's you know the reason why you want to watch basketball. Yeah, he's the, the fans have definitely gravitated to him as their favorite kind of new guy. You know, if you could if you could say any that about any of them, I think these uh he's the, he's the cult hero so far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've really we've had that luxury over the past few years, right? Like Robert Williams this year, Tatum the year before, Brown the year before that. We had Smart. Like we've had a, a lot of cult heroes come along. So uh, he's just one in a long line of uh, of heroes for this team. Not to mention great. Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah, we've we've had an incredibly fun group, like really fun groups to 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 cheer for the last four years. We've been as a fan base really spoiled. Now, one thing that we normally do on the Celtics Reddit podcast is review sort of the top posts of the last week or so. Uh, generally, we record uh, at weekly intervals, but over the off-season and the preseason, it's been difficult because there hasn't been a lot of content. However, uh, as part of this episode's Reddit post recap uh, segment, user McElwain posted a tweet by Jared Weiss quoting Kyrie Irving as saying, I believe Boston is the place for me. Um, and sorting Celtics Reddit by top post of the past week, even after all the content sort of gifted to us by actual games, actual preseason games, it's amazing how much content there was purely in regards to Kyrie sort of finally speaking up a bit in terms of his potential future with the team. Uh, there's been It's sort of been a mystery, um, a gray area, if you will, for even the last year. He hasn't really spoken much to... Um, his intentions with re-signing with the team and just over the past week or so, whether or not it's about just shutting up the press and um, sort of allowing everyone to move on from that question or if he actually intends to re-sign with the team, he, he certainly put a lot out there in the last week or so to indicate that he'd happily re-sign with the team. So I don't know, that helps me sleep at night. Have you guys got any thoughts on uh, on Kyrie's intentions? Yeah, there's no problem here. There's just, like, this is the best possible situation for him. If he wants to go do something different, fine, but it's not going to be a better situation. And to me, I, I feel for him um, because what he's said about this so far makes total sense. He's not going to sign an extension because it doesn't make any sense financially, you know? He's not going to commit hmm. to saying, I will sign here for, you know, under, under all circumstances because that costs him leverage. Why, why would he say that? He's just... It just makes sense, you know. He's he's um he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, and it's going to be fine. I, I don't. I'm not really worried about Kyrie leaving at all. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never bought into it at all. It felt like very much a, a media narrative that um you know that they pushed. No, to be fair, like I'm I'm most 
super high profile players entering free agency in the um in the following summer so um you know it's, it's gonna it's gonna just happen and um it's something we're probably gonna have to live with even after you know he's come out and said he's not interested or like boston's the place for him in, in whatever his words were you know it's not gonna end you know it's gonna keep going on it like if the new york knicks go on a five game winning streak i guarantee you it'll, it'll be a little headline somewhere kyrie Irving's head has been turned by like this new look at the dynamic new york knicks outfit so <laughs> yeah. you know it's gonna happen so i mean I, I i don't believe he's going anywhere i think Boston believe the Celtics believe he isn't going anywhere, and it would ha- something dramatic would have to happen between now and the end of the season to probably change his mind on that. That's at least what I think. Yep, Carson. Yeah. I guess I I stress about these things <laughs> more than maybe some people, some fans. Like, and I sit there thinking, well, if he wanted to stay, like, why wouldn't he just say that? Why wouldn't he say something about it? Why wouldn't he acknowledge us? And I guess in the last week, uh, and if you look through the Reddit thread or many Reddit threads, like this is sort of echoed by the fans on Reddit. Like we're just relieved that finally he's, there's multiple quotes from Kyrie straight from, you know, the horse's mouth sort of saying, you know, I really like what we've got here. I can see a potential future here. Like finally sort of hammering at home what we all sort of knew logically would probably be the case. He, he seems to now be publicly buying into that. So Big relief, uh, certainly for me, and I'm sure a lot of fans out there as well. So that's been really good to hear. Now, moving on to team news. Not really much to speak about team news-wise coming out of preseason. There's not a lot going on. Uh, maybe you can tell from the the general tone of this podcast. But uh, look, we do have one thing. We touched on it before, but Al Horford, he's out with a sprained wrist. It's unclear when or if he will return at all during the preseason. They certainly won't be rushing him back, but it doesn't sound like it's anything serious, which is nice. Um, I would like to see the rest of, particularly the starting five, get their reps in with uh, with Big Al because I just think that he he's really the driving force for that offense, like we said earlier. So, I don't know. There's not really much else news to talk about, but um, that's what's going on. Obviously, he's a big part of our team, so it was worth touching on. All right, guys, that will just about do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. We'll be back in a week to discuss all the games, news, and other Celtic-y things of the week. If you want to reach out, you can find us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod, or you can, of course, find us on Reddit. If you want to support the podcast, please rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with your friends. All right, Joe, Jackson, thanks again for your efforts. You're the hero, Ben. You're the real hero, mate. Uh, It's a team effort, mate. All right, two games this week, both against the Cavs. Go Celtics. We'll see you guys in a week. Peace. Peace.